Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. I would like to welcome a man you know on Twitter as Footy Rhino. Welcome to the show, Ryan. G'day, Pete. How are we going? All good. Do you have your bags packed already for Footy Hub Season 2? <laughs> oh, look, I'm going into this season um, with no expectations at all. Um, all I expect is that there will be a season. Um, we have no idea what it will look like. Uh, this is the nice calm before the storm part where we don't have to make any grand plans or decisions yet. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm ready to go with whatever um, is delivered, whether that means playing in, you know, Gold Coast or New Zealand or the moon or whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah, I'll be moon. ready. Yeah, very good. Uh, we've talked NBA previously on this podcast. What did you make of the James Harden trade? Yeah, I'm heavily invested in James Harden because I've got an NBA keeper league that's been going for about 10 years. I've had James for, I think, nine and a half years. Nice. Um, so I'm so much so that I go by a first-name basis, as you just said. <laughs> um, look, I, I think it's pretty fascinating, uh, the combination of those three guys, um, all very offensively gifted, um, some better at defence than others. Um, but I think, I think it's, I think what we're going to see by the time we get to the end of the season and they've had some time to mesh is that when the playoffs come about, all three of those guys are capable of winning a game. Yep. And I think when you have um, those talents in a, in a playoff game, let's say Durant goes for 41 night and that's that's going to get you the win. Then the next night, Harden can do that. And the next night, Kyrie can do that. It, it mean, it's going to be pretty hard to beat those guys in a seven-game series. The chances of even two out of three having a, a dud series are pretty slim. Uh, and I think Harden's been knocked unfairly um, on his player performances. He's often been shorthanded. There's often been um, coming up against fantastic teams like the Warriors. Um, you know, I think the criticism of his finals appearances and playoff appearances, sorry, is a little bit overblown. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited by it. And I think it's a good thing for Harden. We've seen he's been playing pretty well. His passing is getting um, used to its full capabilities. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. Like the Warriors of five years ago, the the Nets now are just a much-watched TV. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, win or lose, they're must-watch. Must and it's kind of like the Heat, the original sort of, you know, big three yep. in 2010. You just wanted to watch those games just to see, you know, could somebody knock them off? And then it was like, you know, fantastic if they did. But also when they were flying, you know, it was beautiful basketball. So it's kind of win-win and, and that's kind of what we love about the NBA isn't it it's an entertainment product and, and now one of the best shows is in Brooklyn NBA game pass uh, league pass I'd give it a quite a bit of a workover. okay on to some footy <laughs> Fremantle there has been some talk from Fremantle coach Justin Longmuir that he wants to increase efficiency in ball movement is it too early to make an assessment on a team that held onto the ball quite often last season um, yes, it is a bit too early. Look, look, it's it's great for him to say that, and they have been working a lot on ball movement in training. I've been down to a fair bit of Frio training, um, but what we need to do is we need to see it in games. Um, this sort of stuff can take years to get right, and particularly with Fremantle, you know, they, it's not that like they never focused on you know hitting targets or you know gameplay or whatever, but it's just that Ross was a very different coach. You know, he, his energy transfer with his players was more about. Um, defensive tactics and shutting the opposition down and controlling the speed and, and of the game and the flow of the game. Um, whereas I think what Justin Longmuir is trying to do is be slightly more offensive-minded, control the game with your play rather than um, trying to shut the opposition down. Um, those kind of things can take a while, particularly with a young team. But 
Um, the steps seem to be going in the right direction. The, the vibe down at Fremantle... I wrote a tweet and used the word the vibe. vibe. I've got a I lot of laughs. I can't uh, believe it. It, it. it is a good... Yeah, it, it is actually a good vibe. Like, it, you know, that people are up and about. And somebody said to me, you know, the training drills are the same. They're not the same. Um, they're very different. They've got a new head of uh, 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 strength and conditioning come over from Hawthorne when they were in their in their successful era under Clarko. Then he was at Melbourne for a little while. They poached him. Um, they were in the hub in Cairns for a period, and they poached him from there. So they obviously liked what they saw. Um, and the players seem energised. Sometimes you just need a fresh voice. And Jason Weber had been there a really long time yep. um, and obviously had some issues towards the end with getting players on the park. So sometimes change is as good as a holiday, and I can see that at Fremantle. Sean Darcy had another injury setback with his knee recently. What is the latest on his situation and potential availability for round one? Yeah, the, the weird thing is about Darcy is he gets injured a lot, but he also tends to heal pretty well. Uh, like When you see him, he's what, I think four or five years into the career now, he still doesn't look like a chiseled AFL player. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's still got that sort of early Shane Mumford puppy fat a little bit. You know, he's strong and he's big, but he still doesn't look, you know, like like he's chiseled or he's ready to go at full fitness. So these little injuries tend to pop up a lot with him, whether it's a calf or a knee or whatever. Um, so I, I do worry about Darcy's longevity in terms of, you know, can he string 15, 16 games together at any point? Can he play a full season at any point? Can he be a solo ruckman? And I just, I, I'm not sure that's the case. I think he's probably going to miss round one. He'll be touch and go. Like I said, he's kind of a fast healer and we've still got some time, um, but they'll be very cautious with him as well. The, the thing about Freo is they don't have a ton of stocks in their ruck. I mm-hmm. mean, after him, it's Lloyd Meek, who hasn't played yet, um, been okay at, at the lower levels. Um, and he's a big, strong lad. Um, Rory Lobb obviously can ruck, but prefers not to, and they kind of need him up forward if that's going to work. Yep. Um, Brennan Cox has done a little bit of pinch hitting, and so has Matt Tabiner. Um, but in terms of recognised ruckman, there's not a lot. So if Darcy were to miss time early on, it would probably be uh, a Rory Lobb, maybe Brennan Cox sort of combination, because they have to find ways to get Brennan Cox involved. He had a pretty good year last year, but they're, they're pretty stacked in the back line. Hayden Young will be a popular target again for fantasy coaches this season. How is his pre-season tracking? Yeah, fantastic. Um, so he had the issue with the ankle. I think it was a syndesmosis, which everybody seemed to have at some point last year. Yep. Um, but he's he's fully healed. Um, he did some quarantine time coming back from Victoria after going there for Christmas and um, trained with a good a good pack of, I think it was about 15 Dockers players who had to do the same thing. So he wasn't alone and they could do full training. They just had to have three hours a day, I think, of training and then go home, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's fully fit. He's in every single drill. He looks fantastic. Um, he's going to be an extremely important part of their future. Yep. Um, that draft hall of Sarong, Young and Henry, nice. um, that is just... It's going to be one of those draft halls that you look back and you go... like Almost like Port Adelaide's with Dersmer and Butters and uh, Rosie. And you just look back and go, wow, that can completely change the path of the team's um, future possibilities. And I think that's what that draft has done for Frio. Like, seeing how good Sarong already is, seeing what we saw from Young last year. And personally, I think Henry... You know, if things all go to plan, he actually could be the best player out of the three of them, which is hard nice. to believe. Um, so, yeah, I think Hayden Young's going to have a really good year. 
Um, I wouldn't worry about his spot in the best 22. They will play him if he is fit, and at the moment he is fit. So very excited about him. Caleb Sarong was outstanding once he was let go in the midfield last season. I'm bullish he can take his game to a new level as an inside midfielder. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, he's looked really, really good in all the match simulation I've seen. There's no plans to dial him back, put it that way. I mean, last year, there was so much noise about um, getting him into the team. Once he got into the team, he was just so good. And, um, you know, he didn't play a full season. He won the Rising Star. I think he didn't play for the first five or six rounds off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly, but he didn't play a full year. Um, and he still beat you know Noah Anderson and those types um, to get the Rising Star Award. He's a special player, and Fremantle know what they have. Yep. The thing about him is he's one of these guys. Um, he always got compared to Lockie Neal, and and that's that. They're not necessarily the same player, but the thing about Lockie was when he got to Fremantle, he was ready to go. Yep. You know, he had he's a short guy, but he had the body, he had the strength, and and also the mental capabilities to do it. And that's the thing, Sarong doesn't need to be dialed back at any point. It's not like you play him a little bit. Oh, is he getting tired? Let's give him a bit of a break. No, this kid's good to go, and yep. and this is going into his second season. I would expect him to have um, an even better year, um, and throw in the possibility of you know hopefully having a more stable-ish year compared to last year. There'll still be things that bob up, like potential you know, longer road trips or hubs or whatever, but at least it looks like there'll be more of a chance for these younger guys to develop. And for Sarong, that's pretty scary considering what he did last year with no waffle, um, you know, no, no ability to sort of work on his parts of his games in more than a little bit of a tiny scratch match. Um, so to think what he could possibly do with, you know, with a full system in place is, is pretty scary. And just to back that up, one one further point is that the opposition he was up against last year wasn't just your third or fourth midfielder; it was elite number ones and twos. Exactly, like he was put in a very prominent role. Um, you know, I think Fife got injured last year at, at some a couple of points, and it it really did open things up for guys like Sarong um, and Brayshaw and even Cherry to a degree. Fife spent a fair bit more time up forward as well and I think you know all of these things are opportunities and that's what I've liked about Longmuir so far he's willing to play the long game he's willing to go okay well look well, Caleb Sarong's a huge part of our future if we're going to win a flag that we, you know, we've never been able to do before it's going to be on the back of these guys it's going to be on the back of Brayshaw, Chera, Sarong, Hayden Young like Liam Henry they're the guys I've got to invest in and so he's not going to do the annoying thing that we've seen some coaches do in the past where they sort of, you know, pepper these guys in for two or three moments and then pull them back out again. Like, they're getting full-blown opportunities. So I think that's the thing, you know, that the opportunity's going to be there. Um, he's performed already. Um, I just can't see it. I can't see a world where Sarong goes backwards, put it that way. Same um, here. So yeah. that's exciting. Same yeah. here. Michael Walters needed to spend time forward last season, same with Nat Five, which does allow for development in that midfield, kind of like what you've just mentioned there. What can we expect this season on the midfield usage for Fife and Walters? Yeah, look, I think it'll be quite similar to last year, maybe even more time up forward for both of those guys. As I've sort of hinted on already, with Brayshaw, Chera, Sarong, these guys really stepping up in a big way, um, I think it's signalled that you know you can have the luxury of giving Sonny more time up forward, giving Fife more time up forward, but also remembering that, hey, if I need a clearance or I need something's not right here and we just not we need a little bit of a, a spark, can we throw Sonny Walters in the middle for five minutes and see what happens? Can we 
give Fifey, you know, a quarter in the guts, a full quarter, and see what he can do because we need to turn this around. Like, it's just all about flexibility now, and that's what that adds. You're not going to see Nat Fife play forward for, you know, more than 50% of a game. But if he's doing that to, say, you know, 30 to 40% of a game, which I think is completely possible, um, you know, we could see something pretty special, I think. And, and for fantasy purposes, potentially DPP even. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't mm. put it past Fife to get that at yep. some point this year. Um, and, and Walters, I think, is the same. For years, we've heard about putting Walters in the middle. Um, realistically... Uh, he's just needed up forward. He's so yeah. creative. They look better when he's up there. And, you know, you can't, at some point, you just got to realise that that's what he is. He's a fantastic forward that we can put in the middle as a spark plug every now and then. But realistically, if you're going to win games, you kind of need him up there um, because he's dangerous, because he has an impact. Uh, he makes life easier for everybody else. Um, and, and I just think that's his best role. So as much as it'd be nice to say he's going to spend you know, a heap more time in the middle. I think for him, he's almost the opposite of five, maybe a 70-30 split. Um, And you might see those guys sort of interchange. Heath Chapman looks like another exciting prospect for the Dockers. Mm. Where where is he at for this pre-season? Yeah, it's funny because when they picked him, I thought it was a fantastic pick. I tweeted that and a lot of people were like, oh, that's not a great pick. We don't need another key defender. Mm. And I was surprised by that because I know it was hard last year. There wasn't a lot of data to go by. There wasn't a lot of games being played by these guys. But Chapman was playing in a, in a fairly key defensive post for WA's under-18s. He did a bit for West Perth. But that's not what he's going to be in the AFL. He could be. They could develop him into that. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to develop him into that sort of third tall mm-hmm. um, that can read the play really well and potentially run off a little bit. He may even spend time in the midfield at some point, maybe on a wing. He's got great pace. He breaks lines. Uh, this guy is not a, a prototypical key defender by any stretch of the imagination. So people can read the stuff that they want to read and they can you know, base it on a couple of games. But I'm telling you, that's not what this guy is. Like, he could be whatever they want him to be. He's pretty flexible and um, with his... Um, with his abilities in terms of where he could go. So I think he, in terms of playing a lot this year, I'm not sure that's going to be the case for him. I think he, he's going to be lucky depending on fitness and health for the Fremantle guys. If he plays somewhere between seven and 12 games, that would be fantastic uh, because you've got to remember they've got Hayden Young to make sure that he's playing. They've got Luke Ryan who had an All-Australian year last year. Um, they've got, Alex Pierce and Joel Hamling, who didn't play last year, who are ready to go in full training. Those guys have to play, or at least one of them has to play. Um, Brennan Cox, as I said, had a really good year last year. Um, guys like Ethan Hughes, no one wants to talk about, but they, they're probably going to be approaching in that best 22. Hughes played a lot of footy last year. Mm. He plays a role. Um, so it's easy to think, oh, great, we'll get Heath Chapman in and we'll just throw out Ethan Hughes. But coaches don't think like that. You know, they, they don't think like fantasy coaches. They think like, well, I want to win the game and Ethan Hughes has played, you know, 60 or 70 AFL games. Right now, I can't afford to play Heath Chapman. But if Hayden Young gets an injury, maybe I can. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can then play him in that role. So, yeah, I, I think that the ceiling for Chapman this year is probably around that 10 to 12 game mark. He'll get a taste. He'll definitely get a taste at some point because that's the way Longmuir works. But I wouldn't think he's sort of a surefire thing in terms of you know playing bulk games this year. Uh, this Fremantle list in two to three years, I'm quite bullish on where they're going to be. It's getting to the, getting to a very very interesting stage. So I think they'll be at the pointy end very very quickly before people realise what is happening. Okay, on to 
Another one, certainly on my radar, is Nathan O'Driscoll. Are we a chance to see him mm. early this season? Well, he's he's had a bit of a setback over the preseason. Basically, since he got drafted, he already had a shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. They did some surgery. They cleaned it out. He, so he's sort of been off to the side, doing not a heap um, with the main group at this point. But um, they love him. They were surprised to get him when they got him. He's yep. huge for a midfielder. Like yeah. Fremantle had this thing about these big-bodied mids. He is that, exactly that. Um, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. Um, doesn't look out of place, looks confident, um, speaks well, has his head on his shoulders. Uh, look, I, I, the shoulder will probably slow him down to start the year. Um, and I think if there's a waffle season or some semblance of a waffle season and, and the Dockers guys can play in it, because um, that's the other thing, they might not be able to. Yeah. Um, if they can, then I think we'll, we'll see him play some good footy at that level. It, it'll be similar to Chapman, but the difference is Chapman is a Chapman's fit, and he's he's sort of doing all the stuff that he can do right now. Whereas O'Driscoll, as we know, when the, when guys are sort of held back at this time of year, weight injury or whatever, it, and, and particularly when they're young guys, it can, you can kind of get away from them. Um, and the best case for him would probably be to get a debut maybe towards the end of the season and get a handful of games in. Um, but in terms of playing, you know, big minutes this year, I wouldn't think so. But for the future, I, I, I love him. He's got great size. Yeah. As I said, they were shocked to get him where they got him. Um, the other one um, that we should mention is Luke Valenti. Yes, um, yes, yes. I think last year I, I, I said, look, stay away because he, his body wasn't right and, you know, there were other guys that were going to sort of jump past him. Um, I'm still a little... Um, reserved on Valenti. I'm still not 100% sure he's going to make it um, at an AFL level. I'm not saying he won't, but the, the, the issue for him is every time he gets up and running, um, the injuries come in. And uh, he's not a lemon. He's too young to, to think that his body's never going to get right. But the problem is, every year there are new draftees. Yes. And there are new guys. I mean, Sarong's already passed him now. Jumped ahead of him. I mean, yep. he sort of was in that. Yeah, and you know he's only a year behind, I think, Chera and Brayshaw, but now they look three years in front of him. Like yeah. it, it's it's funny how that works. And um, you know, Liam Henry needs to get some game time in the middle as well as up forward next year. Like, where does Valenti fit? And as I said, with Hughes, it's the same. You can't just say, okay, well, we'll throw Acres out of the team and we'll play Valenti. Like it yeah. doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't. You need those big bodies and you need the experienced heads. It doesn't mean Valenti's not a better player in five years than Akers is right now, but that's not how coaches think. So I think he'll definitely get minutes. I think he'll definitely play some games. It's time for him to show whether he can turn up or not. Um, but I wouldn't be just, you know, if you're drafting in a keeper league or if you, you know, you're, you're putting money in, into youngsters, I, I'm not sure he's the right investment. Um, it could come off. It absolutely could come off. But I just think there are probably safer options out there. Um, there's only so long that we can talk about the fact that he was a South Australian captain and that he's wearing Pavlich's number, um, <laughs> and you know that he makes a lot of sense as a player. Those things are all true, um, but we haven't seen him be able to put a string of of even waffle games together where his body is great um, and he's done enough to, to force his way in. So, as I said, the debut will come potentially even early. Um, but I'm not 100% sold, as, as some people are. On to West Coast. What is the latest on Elliot yep. Yo, and can we expect to see him round one? I don't think so. Um, it's still a long way off, uh, and it's you know often we get obsessed with round one, 
um, you know, the Eagles wouldn't be obsessed with round one, put no. it that way. Exactly. Like, the injury to him last year was pretty significant. It happened very early. I think around round two or three, he was already starting to feel pain. And played with um, it. And he played through it, wasn't himself for most of the year. The Eagles had some other issues with hubs and also chemistry with Tim Kelly coming into that midfield. Yep. Kind of never quite worked. Um, so I think they're going to be extremely conservative with him. The, the management of the injury, um, I don't think went down well with a few people close to Yo and, and, and Yo himself. Um, nothing too serious, but I think he was frustrated. Yep. Um, and so I think that they'll be very careful about how they approach this and make sure that when he does play, he's ready to go. Um, he's been very slow with his ramp up at training, a lot of running off to the side, um, you know, and, and he doesn't look like he's moving 100% well yet. So I'd be very tentative with any sort of investment in Yo from a fantasy perspective at the start of the year. Um, I'm not saying he won't have a good year once he gets back, but it may take a while and it may be a, a slow build. Even if he is there round one, which as I said, I don't think he will be, um, he's not going to be in peak fitness or form. Um, it'd be a diluted version of Elliot Yo. So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if, if we don't see him for the first couple of rounds. And Adam Simpson mentioned recently as well is that how do you manage those players coming back from injury with regards to a reduced cap of 75 this year and the game time percentage mm-hmm. for players like that. So it'd be interesting to see how Yo, once he's reintegrated back into the team, what sort of minutes he does play. 100%. And you would have picked up on this too with a lot of the coaches and a lot of the players are talking about endurance yep. and having to... Last year, once the games were shortened and the season was shortened, it all came became about bursts. Yeah, and, yeah. we know, said the same thing at the same time. Yeah. How fast, correct, yeah. How fast can you possibly go yep. for you know this shortened game period? And already we've seen the adjustment in training and the language that's being used by these coaches and players to... Oh, we need to be able to, to run out games, longer games, you know, full blown games. Uh, and we need, you know, 22 guys out there who are really fit and who could do that. Um, so I don't think you're going to see teams risking guys with injuries, um, or who are slightly underdone. Um, you know, the hope would be that there's some reserves footy for these guys to play and walk into. Um, we don't know. Obviously, it's too early to say. Um, but yeah, don't, don't be surprised if guys who are sort of carrying something don't get pushed out there. Um, because these games are going to feel quite long for these players in that early part of the season because yeah. their bodies kind of got readjusted yep. to um, to shorter bursts, as we were saying. Alex Witherden made the move to West Coast in the off-season. How is he settling in? Yeah, he sort of had a bit of a stop-start sort of um, arrival, and that wasn't any injury-related stuff. It was more just um, you know getting over here in the first place with all the border stuff, going back to Victoria to visit his family over Christmas, getting stuck oh. in quarantine on the way back. Yeah. Um, so he kind of had this really disjointed sort of training period. But he, uh, when he's been able, he's been out there and he's been looking really good, um, been training with the backs almost exclusively. Yep. Um, I'd expect him to be in their best 22. Yep. It, it's sort of hard to build an Eagles 22. Um but when you start to, to take into account the fact that Yo is probably not there and there will be other injuries that pop up. and um, You know, we've seen Liam Duggan. And yes. I don't know if we're going to talk about him, but he's done a lot more. Um, not necessarily midfield fine, but it's sort of a hybrid role where it's kind of a lot like what Lewis Jetty used to do in terms of using that ball off half-back and attacking through the middle. They're very different players, um, but West Coast are big on having 
you know, ball users, clever ball users, and dangerous ball users coming through. And I think they see Duggan as a, as a big part of that, um, and Witherden to a degree as well. Yep. Um, so I think, yeah, I think what we'll see with Witherden is that he, he's probably exclusively as a defender, but as I said, with West Coast, a lot of their halfbacks get used in that way where they can they can do a lot of the attacking. They like to possess the ball off halfback and, and use their good skills because they do have a really skillful set of defenders. And Witherden, as we know, can be a fantastic kick when he's on. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, back on to Yo when he was out of the... Uh, out of the side last year, and Eagles had the and Shuey as well. You know, Duggan went into that midfield, so it's great to see that you know he he potentially picked yeah. up an extra um, potentially very good fantasy scoring role uh, being used oh, off I'm half, half on, back. I'm yeah. Big on Duggan. yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've been big on him for a while. I was high on him going into last preseason. He had a really good year down back. I think if you adjust the numbers, the average is probably the low 80s around there, maybe 83, 84 off the top of my head. Yep. Um, but he's, yeah, he's just a good player. He was a fairly high draft pick too. Like, he was their first pick a few years back. Um, high pedigree. He was drafted as a midfielder um, and they sort of taught him how to be a defender because they wanted him in the side. They just they couldn't find a spot for him, but they wanted him to play. Mm. Um, and now you're sort of seeing a bit of both from him. And look, when push comes to shove, he'll be a defender but he's going to spend more time um, using the ball through the middle. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to start in the centre square or on a wing, but he, you will see him attacking more, um, and that will add to it a few extra little plus sixes, maybe the odd extra tackle. Nice. Um, so I, I'm expecting another step forward for Liam Duggan. He's not going to average 100 as a defender, but could he push towards the high 80s and, and even the 90 mark? Yeah, I, I think he could. Interesting. Okay, can we expect to see more of Bailey Williams to assist Nick Natnui this season for development purposes? Um, yes, to a degree. I think Bailey, um, they're excited about Bailey and they're also excited about Callum Jamison, who um, was a skinny beanpole. They picked him up about 14, 15 months ago. Um, they've liked everything they've seen about him, so watch that name for the long term. Probably not this year, but um, maybe another year. Uh, but both of those guys are developing really, really well. The ruck situation is weird at West Coast. Obviously, Hickey's gone now. Yep. Vardy had some um, health scares at the end of last year. Yep. But it it really is... It's, it's Nick Natanui and somebody else. That's just how it works. Um, Oscar Allen spent a bit of time pinch hitting. They, <laughs> the problem for Oscar Allen is Josh Kennedy is still playing and Jack Darling is still playing. Yeah. Um, Oscar Allen is... is going to be a stay-at-home forward. He's going to be Josh Kennedy, um, or at least in that role, when when Kennedy is done, probably another year. Um, But at the moment, they have to find a way to use him in multiple ways, and and I think that's why he's had to pinch it in the ruck. Um, When Kennedy or Darling aren't playing and Oscar can spend more forward time, then you get a Bailey Williams into the side or you get a Vardy. Um, Bailey Williams, I think, is ahead of Vardy now. I think if they had a choice, they would play Williams. Um, and then obviously Jamison's further down the totem pole Um, but yeah look I I don't think Bailey's going to play 15 to 20 games could you see him play 5 yeah absolutely Um, and as I said that really depends on what Oscar Allen is doing um, because just playing Kennedy Darling and Allen up forward you know doesn't always work um, for West Coast and they've struggled in the past when they've done that Last year, when everyone was fully fit in the midfield, the centre bounce group was Yo, Shuey, Kelly, Gaff, Sheed, and finally Redden. Will that be the same group again this year? 
Um, yes, yeah, I think it will. Um, we saw Redden's role um, go backwards last year. He, he sort of almost became a defensive midfielder. Yep. Didn't really get his hands on it a lot. So it was a real, a real step back for him. Mark Hutchings is really not in their best 22 anymore. Um, and he's also had a bit of a setback with an injury as well. He's at a clean out. So yep. it's not a major one, but it'll keep him out of first round calculations. Um, yeah, well, I think that's probably is it. I, I can't see anybody else really breaking into that group. Um, on a consistent basis, as I said, I don't think Duggan starts in the centre square. Um, you know, could he could he run through there? Absolutely, but I don't think he's going to be in that sort of position. Yeah. So you're really again looking at the Shuey, Gaff, Kelly, Yo, and and then Redden sort of as the last guy in there. Um, that's I mean that's pretty much what they are. There's no surprises there. West Coast are pretty consistent with what they trot out. Yep. Could we see Luke Edwards this season? Maybe. It's funny with him because I, and I, he sent me an email saying what we were going to talk about. And I was, when you mentioned him, I was like, oh, that's, that is astute because I've been down at a lot of West Coast training in the last six weeks and he kind of stands out. Yes. Like he's, he's big. Like, he's way bigger than his dad was. Yep. Um, and he just has a presence. And yep. I keep sort of being, some players just draw your eye to them when they're training. And he is one of those. Um, I don't know if he plays this year, but if there's a debutant for the Eagles this year from their recent crop of draftees, I reckon it's probably him. I mean, Zane True is the one that got a lot of hype, and he's been okay as well, but he had a slightly set, set back pre-season with some stuff that he's carrying over. Yeah. Um, but I think if anyone, if I had to put my life on it, I would say Edwards is probably more likely to debut sooner. Um, yeah. But in saying that, West Coast, as I said, are very set. Yep. But don't have a lot of spots and not a lot of wiggle room. Um, so if he gets a spot, it would have to be like last year with um, towards the end of the season when they had you know five or six first choice mids out and they were playing Luke Foley and Xavier O'Neill and these types. Um, and he's the other one. Xavier O'Neill is kind of ahead of these guys now, like ahead of Edwards and ahead of True. Yep. Um, and he may be someone that spends some time in that centre square because I think he was a pick twenty three or twenty four. Not that long ago, they need to see what they have in him. He's kind of like Valenti for Fremantle. Yep. It's like, okay, can this kid play? Can we see what he is? We need to get 10 games into him this year um, to see what we have. Yeah, and if yep. we don't have anything there, we can move on. Otherwise, let's invest a bit of time. And I think they do like him. I think they do like Xavier O'Neill. Are we likely to see Nick Natnui rest this season and have also have a time limit on field for each game? Um, it depends on what the season looks like. If it's a full-blown season, 20-minute quarters, normal travel, like there's so many elements that led to what we saw with Nick last year. It, you know, he, he increased his game time as the season went on. Um, you know, he had a fantastic year, arguably his best individual year. He's All-Australian and won the BNF for the first time. Yep. Um, so that's a pretty good year. I can't imagine that he goes backwards. He knows he doesn't have that long left. Yep. Realistically, Nick Nananui probably has maybe four years of footy left, more likely probably two or three, uh, just because of all the injuries he's had and he's over 30 now mm-hmm. and the way he plays. So he's not going to be taking a backward step, saying that West Coast know that a lot of their success depends on his fitness. So they will be careful with him, but if he's good to go, I can't see them restricting him more than they did last year. Um, as I said, we need to know what the, the full structure of the season looks like. But last year, you would have been tentative about having him as a fantasy ruckman. I think it's time to say, okay, let's back him in. Let's see what he can do. 
um, you know, let, let's show the face because, as I said last year, he was fantastic. Well, just going to your early comments, it's it's Nick Natnui and someone else, and you know, if he increases his uh, game time percentage this year, that could turn into some decent scoring. Exactly, and he scored pretty well last year from memory. He had some pretty big games. So, I, you know, I, I fully expect him to, to match what he did last year in terms of a fantasy output. Um, he may even be able to take a step forward. We've got to remember last year, he was coming off a, a pretty much two years out of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, like, that was pretty impressive. I think as much as he gets a lot of hype, particularly in WA, that year was pretty phenomenal. Pretty good, yeah. Like, you know, it was, yeah, it's hard to pump up Nick Natanui because as I said he gets so much hype so when you do mention that he's doing well you, you cop a lot of flack but he really deserves a lot of credit for the year that he had um, you know and he was the Eagles best player last year simple as that okay Ryan thanks for coming on as a guest can you let the listeners know where to find you uh, yeah just the usual footy rhino on Twitter um, this year a few more things in the works this year I can't really mention too much now but um, if you're in Perth, get the West Australian uh, right there on Saturdays, um, and you can also, you know, subscribe online to the West, and and you can read it there. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, just I'll, I'll be plugging away like the rest of you, trying to win my league, and um, yeah, hoping that all of that um, work comes to fruition. <laughs> Footy Rhino on Twitter, and obviously training updates from West Coast and Fremantle are a critical. Follow if you don't follow Ryan, that is all on you. Okay, Ryan, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, sometime soon. No worries, thanks, Pete.